Bishus Rashi. I'd like to thank the Rav for giving up his share this evening. The Aris Tvash, Yerinus Naibashit, tells us that Purim, which we know is called Purim because of the Purim, because of the lots which were drawn by Haman, says the Aris Tvash, that Haman didn't just stum and draw lots and it happened to land on Yud Gimel Ador. He started off with dice. He took three dice. And he threw those dice and they landed up with two of them on the number three and one of them on the number one. Dice, the top and bottom always come to seven. Which meant at the same time, underneath, two of the dice had four and one of the dice had six. And Haman took this as a very good simon that <clears throat> on top were the letters Aleph Gimel Gimel for Agog, and on the bottom was David. He took this as a simon that Agog, the Haman was going to be on top, was going to be victorious, and Kalisol, Chasashalom were going to be not Matsliach in this, in this effort of Haman. He then went on to draw the lots. Now Haman knew that if you just put in to the bowl a day, a paper for every day of the year and you draw the lots, you will end up with one day. Now that doesn't mean that that day is necessarily the right day. It might just be, whatever happens, you're going to end up with one day. And Haman didn't want it to be just by chance. He wanted it to be what was right. So he took two different pots. And one of them he put number one to twelve, for the twelve Chadashim of the year. And in the second one, he put 354 pieces of paper, each one written one to 354. And his cheshun was simple. He's going to draw out first from the months. And then, when he draws out the days, if he pulls out a number which doesn't correlate to that month, then he knows it's not real. And in fact, he pulled out number 12 from the months, as we know. The poor lot fell on our door. And he pulled out 337, which fell on Yud Gimel Ador. We all know, Medrash tells us, how excited he was that fell in Chodesh Ador, because tonight is Zayin Ador. Tonight is the birthday and also the outside of Meish Rabbeinu. He was not aware of the fact that it was the birthday. He only knew it was the outside, and he felt that this was a tremendous schooler for his attempts to Chassashalom attack Klavisor. In fact, Mufarachim interestingly tell us that he was extra happy that it fell on Yud Gimel because had it fallen any earlier, Zayin Adar or the days after it, he felt that Klavisor had a schus because Klavisor on mass were in Arvelos for the Petira of Meish Rabbeinu and he felt this might give us a certain schus. But Yud Gimel Adar is the first day after the, the Shiva of Meish um, Rabbeinu, and he felt this was the most opportune time. So here we are, on Zayn Adar, on a date which, like every part of the Megillah, has two sides to it. Like these dice, which have a top and a bottom. And like every part of the Chesun of Homon, which has a Chesun which made sense at the time, 
And yet, turns it all around. And this is a theme which we find the whole way through the Megillah. Every piece of the puzzle, it's almost there's some puzzles that you can make where there's a picture on the top, and then if you turn it over, there's a picture on the bottom, and they're different pictures. And the whole way through the Megillah, we find these pieces coming together. And tonight, we'd just like to explore a little bit a couple of the Nikudas which the Mephoshim bring out to maybe make our Megillah hearing a little bit more meaningful for us. Reb Chaim Freelander and Sifsi Chaim says that every time we do a mitzvah, we make a bracha, Asher Kiddishonu B'mitzvah Yisav Etzivonu, L'Abimesh Lachanukah, Al-Mutinas Lulu, Vanyach Tfilin, etc., etc. If you think about the basic translation of the words, Asher Kiddishonu B'mitzvah Yisav Etzivonu, Asher Kiddishonu, who sanctifies us, who makes us holy, with his mitzvahs, with Sivanu, and he commands us to do these mitzvahs. Pashup is, you do a mitzvah, and there's a certain Kiddushah. Says Rukhayim Freelander and many others, every single mitzvah has a unique Kiddushah, a unique Koyach, that is charged to the person who does that mitzvah. Every mitzvah, when you do that mitzvah, what that mitzvah is meant to do to you, how that mitzvah is meant to impact you, is different than a different mitzvah. Every single mitzvah has its own prayer it's meant to infuse us with. And if that's true for all the regular mitzvahs we do on a regular basis, even more so when it comes to the mitzvahs which are connected to specific Yom Tovim. If I'm allowed to say, we have a, a Muslim nowadays of booster shots. Right? It says... A person gets a certain injection of a certain whatever it may be, and then six months later or twelve months later they go for a booster shop to tot it, tot it, top it up. There's certain kedusha and kaychus which we, as members of Kalisro, need booster shots on. And every year, each yontu comes around with its own set of mitzvahs, which is meant to charge us and recharge us in a unique way. So when we say the bracha, what we're saying is, HaKadosh is being Makadish us with this mitzvah that we're about to do. We're, so to speak, reminding ourselves that we're not going into this mitzvah just as a golem to do the mitzvah. We're going into this mitzvah with every intention of drawing out from it all the koiches it has to give us. Says Rechaim Friedlander, what are the koiches that the mitzvah of Kriyas Megillah is meant to give us. Kriyas Megillah, let's just pick one of the four mitzvahs this year, or Purim, Kriyas Megillah. Now, Kriyas Megillah is a beautiful story. And it's a story which, I often say this, you can just read the story inside the Megillah. It's almost like watching the story unfold in black and white. You can learn it with the Mepharshim, with the Midrashim, with the Gon, and you see it all come to color you see the incredible different parts at play. And you have to go through the whole story once and then go back to the beginning again, now that you know what happens in the end, so to speak, and how it happens, and then you watch again and you see each part being carefully laid out in preparation. lays up everything already. says, Rechaim Friedlander, what is the Kedusha that we're meant to charge ourselves with for the midst of Kriyas Megillah? It's the mitzvah of emunah and but not the regular mitzvah of emunah and that we have the whole year. 
It's the mitzvah of emunah b'tochem afilu ba'astor. It's the mitzvah of recognizing even when things are completely nister, when things are completely covered, when things look completely bleak, and we don't understand and we don't see the Adakot Shvaruchu at all. Afilu ba'astor to have emunah b'tochem. And therefore it's no surprise that if we think, when is the time in the calendar that we as Yidin need that booster shot to recharge Ayimun and Betochen Afilubar It's at the end of the long, dark, gloomy winter months when we haven't had a Yonta for so long. We've had Hanukkah, but we haven't had one of the Regolim coming on to six months. And we're lacking that level of Simcha that we have in the summer months. We always say over, in the day when things are clear. Then we speak about the chasodim, the monosa, when it's dark, when it's night, when we don't actually understand why things are happening. Then we can only rely on our monon betachin. So at the end of this whole winter, in order to be able to go into the Zman Hagula, we need a jolt. We need a kick. We need to refocus and recalibrate ourselves. And that is part of what the Megillah is meant to be doing. And when we stand in shul, and we hear the bracha being said on behalf of all of us, to read the Megillah, we have to sit down and follow that story, absorbing it, internalizing it. Gemara says in Megillah of Yudalad Rav Nachman Omar, Kriyasa zu halila. Says of Nachman, we don't sing halal on Purim. But the reading of the Megillah is Ashira's halal. When we sit there and we hear the Megillah, we need to think about the way Hakuch does similar things in our lives. Afilu bahastar. Even when we can't see it so clearly. We need to look back and reflect at those times when maybe things didn't look so amazing. When maybe we didn't understand why things were happening. Maybe we still don't understand why things are happening. But the reaffirming of our strong emunah b'tochen nakach is such that by the time we come to the end of the Megillah, the same way that Lama la Yehudim, Kali Sol en masse, had v'napaychu, everything turned over and changed. We ourselves need to come out of that Megillah changed. We need to come out of that Megillah singing and dancing and clapping and feeling a different person than the one that came in. Ramban says, people who think that they had slocha, their security, their panosa, their gesund, comes from other factors other than just the Rebbeinu Shleilam, are not as quick to receive the assurance of the Rebbeinu Shleilam as those people who realize that there is no one and nothing that affects and governs Ahatzlocha other than Rebbeinu Shleilam. And in fact, the Gemara says an amazing thing. Esther invited Haman to the party. 
Why did Esther invite Haman to the party? Now we know the end of the story, so we don't ask the kasha. But if you think about it, Esther has one pitch at Achashverosh. She's got one window of opportunity. It's Sakonos Nefoshos. She pleads with Mordechai. It, it doesn't make sense. And Mordechai tells her, you're only here for this. You've got to grab it and you've got to do the best that you can do. So she goes and she invites Haman to join this party. Mordechai didn't mention anything about inviting Haman. Imagine, in, in, in perspective, in a shyness that we can use, Imagine you're, you're trying to appeal to Churchill and Roosevelt to save the Yidden. And to that meeting, you invite Hitler. It makes no sense. Says the Gemara, you know why she invited Haman to the party? Not for the reasons that we think. In order to turn it and then point it. She invited Haman to the party because she had a concern. Now if Klag Yisrael see that Esther Hamalkel is going to speak to Achashverosh, then they'll think, oh, maybe she'll manage to have some connection, maybe she'll be able to use her charm, her beauty, her hold on him. And Esther didn't want the Klali Yisrael thought there was anything that gave them a chance of Hatzlocha other than the Rebbein She didn't want them hedging their bets on any other consideration. It's either the Rebbein Shalom gives us a Hatzlocha that on paper we don't have and don't deserve, or there's no Hatzlocha. That's what it is. And to make sure that point gets across, I'm inviting Haman to the party. And Klali Yisrael, imagine Klali Yisrael. Imagine Klaisol see we've got this one opportunity. Esther Malka, she's only there to save Klaisol. We're all relying on her. And then they find out she invites Hamon. <laughs> What's she thinking? What's she doing? We've got nothing left to do. Go back to Shul and Tillin. There's nothing to do. There's nothing else we can do but die. That's exactly what she was looking to achieve. And Sefer Daki Musa, he gives us an insight into to him that we're all familiar with. The Pasuk in the Megiddo tells us, Atilbash Esther Malkus, Atetam Yad Bechita HaMelech Pnimis. Says Gemara, what was this Malkus that she was wearing? Shalom Shaluach HaKadosh. Esther Malkus HaDuach HaKadosh. Until she came to outside the door going in to the throne room of Achashverosh. And it went away. Says the Gemara, at that stage she said the Psukim, which we know in Tehillim Chavbeis is the Tehillim which are written by Esther Malka. Kedi Kedi Lamas Avtoni Kuchmorchu. Why Why have you left me? I'm I'm going on your shlichus here. I'm coming in, and all of a sudden she feels the Shchina leaves her at the moment of most need. You look in Tehillim Chavbeis, you find the pasuk says, Hatzilu Mecherev Nafshi. She speaks about saving me from a keller, from a dog. The Gemara says, Esther was worried. She was worried 
that maybe she was looking at Homon like a Kelev. And maybe that's why she lost the Ruach HaKodesh. Because a Kelev is, a, a dog is something which with Siata Deshmaya, you can overcome yourself. You need Siata Deshmaya, but with a bit of human intervention as well, it can contribute to overcome Abimah against the Kelev. And she felt, at that moment, walking in to the throne room, maybe for a moment she thought she's got any yards in this Hatzalah. The same Pacha that she had that Klali saw me have. She had in herself. Maybe I myself, for a moment, allowed myself for a moment's thought that I've got a yard in this. And she changed in the Pasuk. She changed her outlook of Homon and Achashverosh, from that of a dog to that of a lion. Because if a human being goes up against a lion, they know there's nothing to talk about. This is nothing to do with me. There's no charm I can do to this lion. There's no, it's all the Rebbe And in fact, in the Sefer Daki Musa, he brings down that the reason why Esther sent back a message to Achashverosh Gamaniva Narasi Otsum came. Me and the May servants, we're also going to fast. Not only Klayusa, we're also going to fast. What was she saying with that? What was she trying to achieve? And he says a similar concept. Maybe someone in Klayusa will think that I'm going to go in and I'm this pretty queen who Achashirish has chosen from all the different maidens. So if I go in, I'm going to have some ability to charm Achashirish. Said Esther, tell Kaliso, I'm going to fast three days before I walk in there. By the time I walk in there, I'm going to have no hold over him whatsoever. It's purely up to Kaliso's thrillers. We speak about Siata de Shmaya. I was on a plane just over a week ago, and there was a gentleman who was meant to sit somewhere else, and he was moved back and forth, and he ended up sitting next to me. Any of you that fly are familiar with the concept, you get an opportunity to speak to people you wouldn't otherwise necessarily speak to. This he told me a vote from somebody called Ramot Malach, I'm not sure that is. He told me a perspective. He said as follows. Imagine a person walks into a heavily armed building. They make him empty his pockets. They make him go through a metal detector. And they march him this way, and they march him that way, and they march him the other way. And eventually, at the end of it, together with a whole bunch of people who've been through the same process that he's been through, they march him into a small, confined place, and they lock him in. There's two possibilities of what's just happened. Either he's in prison or he's on a plane. What's the difference between the two? Why is that person on the plane absolutely fine? I'm not talking about people in first class, business class, even in economy. Why are they absolutely fine? And that person in prison is far from fine. So it's very simple. The person on the plane knows he's on a journey. 
he knows at the end of that journey he's going to get to where he wants to go. So it doesn't matter that right now he might be confined in less than ideal circumstances. Because it's for a greater good. And it's worth it. Because in the end he gets to where he needs to be. And that person in prison is going nowhere. He's got nothing that he's suffering for. So his whole ability to handle what he's feeling is completely different. This person observed, said, I'll prove to you it's right. That imagine if they tell you it takes five and a half hours to get from Eretz soil to England. You sit down on the plane, you're fine. Might get a bit restless along the way, but you have to sit to fly into America or Australia, so it's, it's not such a long flight. But when they tell you it's five hours, and then you have a half hour delay on the runway, look how everyone loses it. The frustration, the, the, the clock, and the, the, it's all in the mind. Shaz, if I know it takes five and a half hours, that's what it takes me. I have to go through this to get to where I'm going, so I'm okay. But the moment we think we're not in control, then, then some people handle it not as well as others. Life is a trip. And we're not in control. But it's a trip with a purpose. And along the way, there are bumps. I have no sense of direction. So for me, waves and the likes is amazing. So I get in the car, and I pull where I want to go, and I drive. I have no idea where I am. If you ask me along the way where you're up to, I can't tell you the streets, I can't tell you the buildings, each time it could take me a different way, and I've got no idea, and it's absolutely fine. Because I trust Waze, I put it on, and it takes me. Now you don't use Waze in Eretz Sol, because Waze in Eretz Sol, you can end up in the middle of an Arab village. So in Eretz Sol, you have to use something else. You don't use it, because those who've used it have said it's not reliable. But in England, it's more or less reliable. So we rely on it. Blindly. It can send us ways that we know are the wrong way, but it's a reason. Actually, last week I was driving and it sent me the wrong way and I knew it was sending me the wrong way. So I thought, no, I'm not being told where to go. So I went the way I know is the right way. And then I hit standstill traffic in the middle of a motorway. Cost me 20 minutes. So you don't do that again. Next time it sends you a different way, you go the different way. You don't ask any questions. There's a rabbinish lunam, the halvdal elef abdalus. It's the ultimate ways. It never lets us down. We don't need to know why. We don't need to know where. We buckle up and we recognize that this is life. And life isn't always amazing. And there are Nisyanus. And we're not downplaying the Nisyanus. The Kedusha of the Megillah is to recharge ourselves, to recognize even when it's difficult and there are times when it's very, very difficult but even when it's difficult we need to search for that inner peace for that where we tell ourselves it doesn't matter that we don't understand why it doesn't matter that we don't understand how but we're and he knows what he's doing. He always knows what he's doing. And a Hatzola comes the most 
when we can relinquish everything other than our Amunim B'tachin Nakuch When we stop trying to convince ourselves that in any way we have a daya or a yad on control in what, where, how. The moment we can let go of that, that is the moment that Salah comes the most. We're about to go through a process. I think I might have mentioned this ten years ago here. So if there's anyone here who remembers, call up a word. We're about to go through a process. It's a three-pronged approach. This Shabbos we begin Harsha Zohar. And we move on to Tanis Esther. It's not always like that in the calendar, but that's how it is this year. We move on to Tanis Esther and we follow up with Purim. What is Pasha Zohar? Pasha Zohar is when we take on Amalek. Now I'm going to ask the question I always ask. We have a mitzvah to remember to forget Amalek. So I've got a brilliant idea. Don't mention Parashat Zohar and everyone will forget Amalek. Every year we make a point of reminding ourselves to forget Amalek. We are the ones keeping the name Amalek alive. Without us, everyone will forget Amalek. Terrorists is Parashat. We're not trying to remember the Amalek. We don't know who Amalek is nowadays. It is Germany. It's not Germany. We don't know who Amalek is. There's no one alive today that we could go up to and kill and know we're being Mekai in the midst of killing Amalek. So what are we remembering every year? We're remembering to take on the Amalek inside us. Now what is the Amalek inside us? Amalek's modus operandi was Ashekar Chabaderech. It was to make everything cold, everything dull, dull. To desensitize us. To take away that spark. That connection. Muhammad al-Islam in the world today, Amalek is very much alive and kicking. In the world today, in the youth today, adults today, we get to see in Bezden different sides of the civil that maybe people prefer normally aren't seen. And there are many hidden walking around who look as if they're being shemitari mitzvahs kadasikadin. And there's absolutely no hergush. There's no pilot light burning inside. Nothing. They're going through the motions. It's a pachat nur. And then they turn around and they're surprised if their children haven't picked up that warmth in Yiddishkeit from them when there isn't what to pick up. And some people, unfortunately from the sorrows and the sinus that they have been through, for which we can't judge anyone, has put them in a position where it's hard. It's really hard. Comes along, Parsha Zohar. We can't think of walking into Shul on Purim Rush, 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 with all the important things like themes of Shlachmonas and everything else, and land there in Shul, and all of a sudden we're meant to say, Ashekel Ishonim, it says, Sivonu, and bam, we get hit with a flash of inspiration. It doesn't go like that. There's an approach. Before you can begin to do that, you need to wake up. 
You need to realize and recognize that you're asleep. And I say you, I mean one. If you speak to any experts in addictions or issues or anything like that, step one on the process is to recognize there's a problem. If a person doesn't recognize there's a problem, you can't begin to deal with it. We've got, I know I'm not allowed to mention Pesach, but Zaman HaGeulah is around the corner. And all of this is a process to get us to Seder night ready for what Seder night is meant to be. And step one of that is Pasha Zohar. To recognize that Amalek is Korcha Baderech. It pours cold water over everything. It desensitizes us. It makes us lose a whole hislavos, a whole cheshek, a whole connection. We've been through a long winter. Step one, we have to wake up and recognize we're not where we can be at our best. Step two, is Tanis Esther. The Rambam says in Hilchas Tanis, Every single time he goes through and mentions that we fast on this day because of these stories that happened, and we fast on this day because of this Avera that happened, with one exception. And it comes to Tanis Esther. Tanis Esther says, the Rambam, we fast because we fast at the time of Esther. Not because of the story, not because of, because we fast at the time. What does that mean? So I'm going to read you out again this Medrash. Like I say, those who remember this in, ten years ago, I think it was excellent. The Medrash, Medrash Rabban, on the Megillah, and this is a classic example of understanding a bit more what goes on behind the scenes from the regular psukim that we used to. The Medrash tells us how Kach at the time of Haman wanting to pass in his Gezeir, gave the green light. I say this was the original final solution. Amolik, paskinim, lahashrit, laharig, laabidus kalayhudim. Says the Medrash, miyad, yonsasahatayr be big day almonus, but nosna koyna be bechid if niakuch baruchu. The Torah itself came out in Avelus, crying out to the Bainish Lenin. We got Malachi Ashoris, Saku Lukov, Bhyoso. But Omul Fonu Bain Shoilme, An Imisual Batalim and Oilam, Onu Loma on a Srikim Bailam. He said to Bain Shim, if if you wipe out Kalisol, what's the point of the Torah? What's the point of Malachi Ashoris? Nibin Psukim. But I say Shaw. Rod said Yo Zochla Toybi Bahala Itzel Obis Oilam. Bates on Mesha bin Amma. At that moment, Moshe Rabbeinu and the others in Shemaim had a Yohan Lavi run towards them to try to speak on behalf of Kali to try to evoke them to defend Kali Amazing words. Chassun could never make up these words. Admosai Says How long are you going to stay asleep? What are you doing about the sorrow that's just been passed on Kalisol? 
כי מלאכי השור איס וחמא לבוינו וכיכובים מזול איס ושמיים וארץ וחולץ ואמורים בויכים במרד. The entire universe is quaking. It's petrified. This is the real deal. There's been a gazeera l'hashrit l'hargis kolay hudu. Avom yitzok yaku, where are you? Vatim oim dim meneged ve'enchim ashkichim, what are you doing? Omer loim yunema. So he said, why was there such a gazeera? Omer lohem. Because they benefited from the Suda Because What do you want from us? There's nothing because you. The Gezer has been passed. How many times did Klal Yisrael get themselves in trouble in Ribbo? And you stood then every time you found a way to save Klal Yisrael. So Moshe said, is there anyone there? Is there at least one person in Klal Yisrael Who's the Adam Kasher? Go into Amatai to create a Trilla movement down there in this world and Moshe Rabbeinu will do it up in Shemaim. So now that Yon Novi has been Matzliach in getting a plan for Moshe Rabbeinu, he allows himself to air his fears to Moshe Rabbeinu. Amlai Reya Nehman, Kvanichtu Aigeres Kliyal Yisrael. The Maisa, isn't it too late? The, the letter's been written. Amlai Moshe, in Betzitz, he chasuma tvilasenu nishmas. If this decree is written only in clay, we have a chance that tvilas can be heard. In Bedom, Nichtu Amashihihu. But if it's written in blood, there's nothing we can do. This is Pshat in the Pasuk. Motzchai knew everything that happened. How did Motzchai knew everything that happened? We read the Megillah every single year. Motzchai Yoda is Kolashen Naso. How did he know? Where did he hear it from? Says the Medrash, he heard it because Elyon Novi came to him in a dream and told him this is what's just happened in Shemaim. That's how he knew. So, Mr. Sichayim asks on this medrash a number of kashas. We haven't got time for all of them now, but quickly. Kasha number one. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. With all the sustain that they have. And there's nothing they can do. What happened? What did Kali Yisrael do? We went to the party, Yachashirish, boom. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Susakeda, nothing. There's nothing. We've got nothing we can do. And even Moshe Rabbeinu, the only way Moshe Rabbeinu could save Klai is if there's a Matai down there who can do something to help. What, what are we missing here? Klai over the years, we've had times in our history where we served up with the Zohar, we've got times in our history. What did they, what was so good about going to this Mishnah HaChashirish? The problem is in the word Nene. Okay, they went... And it was wrong to go, and they were told not to go. But Nene, 
Achashosh is being mezalzal in the big day kuna. And you're going to go and just let your hair down as if this is normal? That happens when Amalek is matziach. That happens when we become so disconnected that we don't even realize. Kali Social just sat at that party crying on their kosher tables. But that they could just join in like normal. That means we've lost the plot. Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov said, there's no point, there's nothing we can do out there, because if they don't have that connection down there, we can say Tilim and Shemaim all day long. They'll, they'll keep not having that connection. What are we meant to do? And even Meshra Benu said, the only way we can do it is if Klali soul can be awakened. And that was Tanis Esther. Tanis Esther was when Klali soul gave themselves a shaking. When they realized, and again, tit and dumb, the gone, others explain, tit means it's just taiva. There was nothing malicious. We weren't serving our desire. This wasn't a philosophical discussion. Is there a God? Isn't there a God? None of that. We just ran after our taivas and forgot about the bones from Ligamri. Mordechai went down, and with Esther, they created the Tinekish of Esrabon. They created an awakening in Kalisol. And every single year, says the Rambam, we fast because they fasted. That's what this Tanis Esther is. This Tanis Esther is us tapping into the Kachos that Kalisol recreated at that time. Every Yontav, we have the ability to tap into the Kachos. It's not a historic, we don't do something because this happened thousands of years ago. We've got the Kachos here and now. We go through Shabbos. Remember Amoli, because he's alive and well, and he's in, in, in every single one of us, to a different level on our Madriga. And we need to recognize that we need to reconnect with the Bainish And if we recognize that we need to reconnect, then when it comes to Tanis Esther, it's not about just not eating, it's about Tfilas. Chazal say the Kayach of Tfilah on Tanis Esther is unbelievable. If we can connect to the Bainishrim on Tanis Esther and tap into those Kaychas of Kalisol of then, then we can walk into Shul on Purim night hungry, but feeling connected to Bainishrim on a level that we want to sit down and hear that Megillah, because that Megillah isn't just a story. That happened thousands of years ago. That Megillah is the story of each and every one of our lives. Where there are parts that we know what happened, and we might even think we know why they happened, and there are parts where we have no idea why they happened, and there are parts we maybe even wish hadn't happened. But it doesn't matter. Because we strengthen our Imunah and Bitochen. As the story unfolds, we recognize that the knows what he's doing in every single piece of the puzzle comes together like an orchestra for the finale. And so too, says the Gemara, when we hear that Megillah, it's like we should be pouring out halal in our own hearts. Not a halal when a person's sitting at a chasna and dancing, Baruch Hashem, because everything's amazing. But a halal, even when things aren't amazing, I feel about a star. Reaffirming Baruch Hashem, we're Yidin. Baruch Hashem, we have the Torah mitzvahs. Baruch Hashem, we have our, our health, each person, whatever health they have. 
You know, you think back. That's an interesting observation today. I was at Shechita. Somebody didn't turn up. So we had to take breaks. Because the person who normally fills in for other people wasn't there. We had to take breaks. So we took breaks. So the guy who took breaks. There was one guy who didn't get to take a break. Because where he was, it didn't stop. Everything carried on. He was ranting and raving the whole day. Because he didn't have a break. Every single week he doesn't have a break. We don't have a break. We have staff that revolves that we don't have to bring the whole factory to a stop. This person can't handle it because he doesn't have a break. What's the problem? You never have a break. But he sees everyone else is having a break. If everyone else is having a break, I can't handle that I'm not having a break. We're all like that to certain degrees. I both say a few years ago we couldn't sit in this hall and have a shit. We couldn't sit in shul and hear the Megillah. It's all a question of perspective. How many things are there that we take for granted every single day? We wake up in the morning, we say, Moida'ani, just think, we wake up, we can move our beds out of bed. Check. Baruch Hashem for that. We say in Atta Gibor, Mechayim Isim Brachim Rabim. Avodram asks, says, Mechayim Isim is in the present, it's not in the future. So we can't just be talking about Tchiyasamesim. Says Avodram, there's three Mechayamesims in the Bracha. The first is for the fact that we wake up in the morning, because sleep is Chelek of Misa. The very fact we wake up in the morning, every single day when you say Shachis, you mention Mechayamesim, Baruch Hashem Baruch I woke up this morning. The next one, Rachim Rabim, is for the panasa, for the Geshem he gives us. We go to that bracha, we live in a generation where there are people who are mata asurim, who, who feel confined and locked up in their world, in their existence, in their environment. There are people who suffer from sorrows that no one else even knows about the chlal. There's so much to take for granted. And again, it, that doesn't mean life is always rosy for everybody. But there's so much to take advantage, for, so much to be appreciative for. Everyone has a glass of milk that's half full and half empty. We need to walk out from that Megillah. Thank you. Thank you for having our backs. Thank you for looking after us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for our health. Thank you for our mishpacha. Thank you for the fact that we can daven in a shul. Thank you for the fact that we're part of a kehillah. There's so much we need to be grateful for. Thank you, Benjamin, for all those things that I know nothing about and maybe will never know nothing about. If we can go through that and we can talk of being ourselves, then Mitz Hashem, when we come to Rosh Nisan, we'll talk of being ready for the proper Zmahavim. Shreya. Shreya.